two weeks ago was uh, baptisms, then forgiveness. Before that, if you can cast your minds back, maybe if you listened to it online or if you were here, we looked at prayer from Sarah. I preached, uh, no, that, that was myself. And Sarah preached on giving. I'll start again, shall I? Five weeks ago, Sarah preached on giving. I preached on prayer. Then we had the baptisms, which was a great joyous occasion. Then last week, Jane preached on forgiveness. And so tonight, we're going to continue in our sermon series um, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, looking at fasting, as Matt has just said. And so this is uh, three things, giving, praying, and fasting, where Jesus tees each of them up when he says, and when you give, and when you pray, and when you fast. These are three very helpful things as Christians. A fancy way often, if you've been around church for a while, is maybe referred to as spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are basically a way in which we can do and are a means by which we can receive God's grace in our lives. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do because of what Jesus has done and because the Holy Spirit lives in us. A few weeks ago, I used um, a bike wheel. I didn't bring it this evening. Um, If you can picture a bike wheel, I'm sure that's quite easy to do given there's lots of bikes in Cambridge. The hub of a bike wheel is where the power comes from. The spokes is where that power is transmitted outwards to the rim. And the rim is the thing that helps keep the wheel moving forward. So using that as a metaphor for spiritual disciplines, the hub is the power of the Holy Spirit living in us by the, because of what Jesus has done on the cross. That's our faith. That's what our faith is in. That's where the power lies. The spokes are those spiritual disciplines. Giving, praying and fasting are just three of them. There's, there's several others. There's many more. They're a way in which we can receive God's grace. They're not the thing that connects us to God because we're connected to God by, through, through Jesus, simply that. And it's through receiving God's grace in the spiritual disciplines that they tra- that power at work in us and through us transmits to us the edge of the rim to help us keep us moving forward in our journey of faith. So if you've got your Bibles, will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? And we're going to read just three verses from verse 16 to 18. It's on page 970 uh, in the Red Bibles. If they're nearby, if it's on your phone, I'm sure you'll be able to find out where that is. So Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse... Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. When you fast, do not look sombre like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder what you thought of when you heard those first few words. When you fast. And when you fast, as some other translations put it. I've never heard many sermons on fasting. I don't know about you. I've heard lots on prayer. I've heard a fair few number on giving, but not many on fasting. I'm not an expert on fasting, I must say. And so 
when I read this passage as I saw I was preaching for the day, I sort of smiled and I said, okay, God, what are you going to teach me to be able to share with the people this evening? So I want to say that right up front. I'm not an expert. I have fasted at times out of obedience to what I've sensed God calling me to do, but I'm not an expert. And so I went and bought a book. I highly recommend this if you're the reading type. It's called simple, It's a very well thought through name of a book called Fasten. Um, it's called a guy called Scott McKnight. Um, come and chat to me afterwards if you want to know more about it. So my hope this evening is uh, I'm going to talk us through, um, we'll, we'll look at these verses, what Matthew, what Jesus is saying here. I'm going to give us a framework, a biblical framework as quickly as we can, looking at the Old Testament, looking at some of the things in the New Testament, and then also looking at practically on a real sort of rubber hits the road level, how does this work out for us in our day-to-day lives? When we wake up tomorrow or wake up in a week's time, we've still got life to get on with. What does it look like? So, does that make sense? So, my guess is there's a range of experience in this room when it comes to fasting. There's probably people who fasted many, many times for many, many years. There's probably people who fasted a few times. There's probably people who've maybe never even thought about fasting because it's something that we've never even read about or heard about in their sermon. But there may be also some people in this room who have heard of it and have completely disregarded it because they think, that's just too spiritual. That's not for me. That's, think, that's, that's the thing that Christians should do. Only the holy Christians do that. Let's just rewind back to our bike wheel. It's the thing we get to do because of what Jesus has done. We don't have to fast. And so if you leave this place this evening, hearing from me that you have to fast, I've not done my job well. In explaining this evening that we get to fast as a way to receive God's grace. It's a tremendous privilege when we do it. And it's a completely God-honoring thing to do. A line from this book um, that I've just mentioned particularly jumped out at me. Here's what it says. We fast to express ourselves to God most completely. We fast to express ourselves to God most completely. Before we go any further, I want to address the elephant in the room. We have physical bodies, flesh, blood, bones, muscle... I'm not saying you're all elephants, by the way. (laughs) The elephant in the room is the fact that over two millennia, Christians have, by and large, disregarded the body as an important aspect of our being and how we relate to God. Christians often have said the body is an evil thing, it's worth nothing. The body is something that we just have to tolerate and put up with until we die. How wrong is that? Because we know from the Bible that our bodies are made by God. In the image of God, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul also writes that at the resurrection of Jesus, when he, at, the new, at, the, the, at the return of Jesus, we will be given new resurrection bodies. And so bodies... Our physical bodies are woven in from creation to the new creation. And so we should not disregard it. And so fasting 
more so probably than any other type of spiritual discipline, is a real test to our bodies. And so we've got to think about how we view our bodies. Paul in Romans 12, verse 1, he says, in view of everything that God has done, offer yourselves, offer your bodies to God as an act of worship. It's a slightly different way of saying what that guy said. We fast as a way of responding to what God has done to express ourselves to God most completely. So broadly speaking, I think there's four ways that each of us in this room might view our body. Here we go. It's a maverick to be tamed. It's an idol to adore. It's a space to fill. Or it's a shell to disregard. It's a maverick to be tamed. Our bodies are full of evil desires. Those, those things, sexual stuff. We might want to have sex with people. We might want to masturbate and objectify other people. We might have things wrong with our bodies that we don't particularly like and we just try and suppress it. Our bodies might be an idol that we adore. We stand there flexing our muscles in, uh, in the mirror, putting on our makeup, making sure uh, we've got every single hair on our head right, making sure, you, does my bum look big in this? It's a space to fill, perhaps. We just shovel food endlessly down our throat into it without having taken any regard for what it's going to do to our bodies. Or is it a shell to disregard? My body's not that important, really, when it comes to spiritual matters. I can pray and I can read the Bible, I can do all that. But my relationship with Jesus is purely spiritual. It doesn't need to involve my body. Which of these best describes you, I wonder? How you view your body? Do you view your body as a maverick, as an idol, as a space, or a shell? If we view our bodies like that, we miss the point. You see what I did there on the slide? We miss the point. We miss the point because our bodies were made by God. Our bodies are made in the image of God. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies will be given a new complete perfection at the resurrection. And so, therefore, we are to offer our bodies in everything that we do to God completely and fully. Yes, there's temptations that need to be tamed. Yes, there's things that need to be addressed with self-worth and self-image. And it's so hard when we're surrounded by a society that says, look like this, celebrity, if you do this. Look like this if you do this diet plan. Look like this if you do these exercises. Eat all this greasy fast food for just like two quid. We fast to express ourselves to God most completely. Ourselves most completely to God involves our body. And so that's why, before we go on to think about fasting now, we've got to have thought about how we view our bodies. Because our bodies are involved in fasting. So I've got three points this evening. First point, fasting before Jesus. Fasting, it did happen in the Old Testament. 
There was only one prescribed time in the Old Testament, in uh, Leviticus 23, where the Israelites were told that they had to fast. Now, that, that changed uh, as time went on up to Jesus, where it became more of a, um, a choice. It wasn't so much a, an obligation thing. They were both communal and individual fasts we see in the Old Testament. Communal being where the leaders, the elders of God's people, call on God's gathered people to fast. There were times where individuals chose to fast in specific moments. In either case, whether communal or individual, with the exception of the Leviticus 23, the vast majority of times when people fast in the Old Testament is when people are found themselves in such a holy moment, in such a precious, sacred moment, that the only conceivable response is to fast and to take away food and, in some cases, water for a day, for a week. Someone did it, Moses did it for 40 days. Now, fasting as a response to something is different to how I've heard other Christians talk about how they fast. Often I've heard Christians talk about fasting as, oh, I'm going to fast because I want God to show me this. Do you see the difference? What we have modelled for us in scripture. You fast as a response to something, and yes, there may well be the outcome where God does something, and that's up to God to do. If that's our starting place, a response to a moment, to something we see God doing, it's something that God has said. Fast is at times the most obvious thing to do. So there's different examples, very quickly go through them, of the Old Testament where people find themselves fasting. Someone's, when someone's grieving in 1 Samuel 31, when people want a divine protection in 2 Chronicles 20 and Ezra 8. Ezra 8 is an example of communal fast. I said I'm going to go quick. Repentant of sin, Nehemiah 9, where people wore sackcloth and, wear, uh, and put dirt on them. It's a little bit like what we see Jesus knocking the Pharisees for in Matthew 7, 6. 1 Samuel 7 and Jonah 3 are also instances where people fasten as they repent of their sin. Piety or humility, a pursuit of holiness, we see in Psalm 35 as David wants to put that attitude before God. A disaster is close by, 1 Kings 21 and Esther 4. Injustice to the poor in Isaiah 58, the whole chapter is pretty much talking about fasting. He's condemning the the fasting of of God's people, the prophet Isaiah, because they had thought of their own own personal interests and become self-centered. It was that very thing that I've just said a moment ago. In Isaiah 58, Isaiah says, don't just fast because you want something. They've missed the point of what, how fasting was to be done. It's to be done in utter humility before God. All these different ways of fasting mentioned in the Old Testament, they are from a, a sacred moment and the response is to fast and there may well be an outcome, so to speak. Fasting is to be a humble response. It's not to be a way to twist God's arm. Fasting is something we get to do, remember, not something we have to do. Unfortunately, though, Jesus 
uh, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees had misunderstood this. They seemed to think that if they fasted twice a week, which we know was uh, on a Monday and a Thursday, these Pharisees wanted to do that to be seen by others. Jesus refers to them as hypocrites. I said a few weeks ago, the word hypocrite, it basically means to act, to want to be seen by others. Hypocrites want to be seen by others, but Jesus goes on to say, disciples fast to be seen only by the Father. So this raises the question then, how are we to fast? Second point, waiting for Jesus. I'm going to use a big uh, fancy term in a moment. If you're anything like me, raise your hand if you're anything like me as I say this next sentence. (laughs) Elaine's with me already. Great. I love the faith, Elaine. I'm absolutely buzzing for the day when Jesus returns. Good. Just think about it. That's why I got a big smile on my face because I'm thinking about it. How good is it going to be? I don't think we think about it enough. We don't certainly don't talk about it enough. So the big fancy word is eschatological. <gasps> Say that to your neighbour. Say eschatological. Eschatological simply means when Jesus returns. When Jesus returns, right will be wrong will be made right. We will be given new bodies. All tears will be wiped away. No sin will be more. But what will also happen is there will be one massive feast. And it will be for eternity. And so when we fast... Think about the feast that is in store for us at the end times. Allow that to inform the attitude with which you fast. On the timescale of eternity, the pain and maybe the, the hungry sort of nature that might build up inside you as you're fasting, just think about how minuscule that is over a day, a week, whatever it is, in the timescale of eternity when we're going to get to feast with the Lord Jesus in heaven. We can fast now as we look on the news every day and we see a world that's broken. Wars everywhere. Arguments breaking out between different people. We can fast as a response to that, knowing that one day God will make it all right. Fasting before Jesus, I've given us a a very quick whistle-stop tour of what that was like in the Old Testament. Waiting for Jesus is to be the lens through which we can fast and we ought to fast because of the great joy that that will bring when Jesus returns. And so the third point this evening is fasting before Jesus. No, I'm not telling the same point again in case you're thinking in case you think I've gone mad Jesus tells us how we are to fast 
before him, before his father, before no one else who was looking. No one else peering in on us. No one was walking around with us all looking gloom and sorry for ourselves. But when you fast, Jesus says in verse 18, do it so it will not be obvious to others. And when you do it, put oil on your face, put oil on your head and wash your face. For some reason, the Pharisees thought that not washing was a was the obvious thing to do when you fasted. I don't quite see the, how they got that logic. It's a little bit like saying, I'm not going to go to work, and so I'm not going to brush my teeth. It just, like, the, t- t- the two just don't correlate. Anyway, moving on quite quickly. What does it mean for us? I don't think necessarily we need to put oil uh, on our hair and wash our faces, although by all means do that if you'd like. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is, carry on as normal. Keep calm and carry on. You don't need to make a big hoo-ha about it to people at work or maybe your housemates. Just carry on. The Pharisees were looking for people to come up to them and say, oh, you are such a holy man of God. Well done, you. But Jesus is saying, actually, that's not what you're doing it for. They've received their reward in full, the praise of people coming up to them. The the reward for people who fast in the way that Jesus is saying, well, Jesus says he will reward you. It's done in secret. The reward, or one of the rewards at the very least, I know for certain, is the fact that there will be a feast one day. There's going to be plenty more for sure. Fast to your heavenly Father who's unseen. Jesus is exactly the same here as he did when he talked about praying. I'm going to shut up in just a few minutes. But before I do, I'm going to give you some practical tips how we might fast. There's four different, four different uh, options, so to speak, about how we can fast from this point on. One is... If you fasted before and you've maybe done it many times, you've become accustomed to it, fast for 24 hours, maybe 48 hours if you want to really push the boat out, with no food, second, if you haven't fasted in a while, may I suggest fasting one or two meals a day for a few days, or just a couple of days, or one day perhaps. If it's fasting is a completely new thing to you this evening, maybe at first try fasting just for one meal. And the fourth one, if um, for some people, it may be for people here, if you've got um, a health condition or you have an eating disorder or if you've struggled with an eating disorder in the past, do not fast from food. Please hear that. Choose something else to abstain from for a period of time. That might be Netflix, it might be FIFA, it might be um, watching films, it might be Facebook. So we've got those four different things. And whichever it is maybe for you, 
when you fast for the first time, or from this point on, please make sure you decide before you do it what you're going to do with that time when you would normally eat. Might I suggest, perhaps reading the Bible, perhaps praying, you might think of something, you might want to worship, might worship, worship song, might want to write a, a letter to God or something, I don't know. Do what, you, do what you like. Certainly give thanks to God for all his goodness and his provision. And certainly say the Lord's Prayer, which is just a few verses earlier from this passage. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we want to see God's kingdom come. Give us our daily bread is such a powerful seven-letter plea to God and it becomes ever more real when we're withdrawing from food or we're withdrawing from those things if um, uh, like Netflix or FIFA or whatever it is. Give us our daily bread. Help us, God, to get through this day. Give us what we need. I don't think it's a mistake at all that Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer come right before he talks about fasting. So, when I was prepping for this talk this evening, I sensed God was saying, call the evening gathering to fast. Now, you don't have to. It's got to be with a willing heart and a thankful heart. No one's going to be checking up on you. Our theme for Easter, as Matt said earlier on, is King Jesus. Next Sunday at the morning gathering, we're going to be thinking about the awaited king. In Jesus' time, they were awaiting the Messiah. And in our time, Jesus has come, Jesus has risen. And yet we're still awaiting the king to return. When he will make everything new and everything right. Before we get to that feast. So between now and next Sunday... Might I suggest, and if anyone's up for it, would you join me and others, I'm sure, certainly nodding their head at me now, in fasting for the awaiting of the King Jesus? Will you join me in fasting that, in knowing that one day Jesus, King Jesus, will return? So out of those four different options I've explained just a few minutes ago, you probably straight away clocked which one was potentially for you at this moment in time. So what's God saying to you this evening? And are you willing to fast this evening? Are you willing to join me and those of us who else are going to do it?